morning, folks. You can hear me. So great to be with you this morning. We are busy with um, our series on miracles. Let him be known. And for me, that that little subtitle, let him be known, is is why I'm excited about miracles. You know, miracles, we can easily get a big head and, you know, kind of look at me. I'm so super amazing. But our prayer is that He would be famous. Amen. So that's just so important. And we'll see as, as we look at this. That's been, I haven't just wanted to focus on the miracle and the wow of the miracle. It's like, look at behind this. Look at the impact on the people. Look how people's lives are changed by this. And more importantly, look at how devoted to Jesus they are because of the miracles. Okay. So, we're looking at the healing of the man born blind and we're looking in John chapter 9 and, and you can see it on the slide but just remember we we doing a series entitled miracles and we're looking at in the series the seven miracles that John mentions in his gospel the gospel of John I mean there were so many miracles that Jesus did I mean there are a number of times in scripture where it says that the, the, the crowd that was around him he healed everyone in the crowd so how many miracles that how big is the crowd we don't know John literally says at the end of his book if all the stories of everything Jesus did had to be written, there wouldn't be enough place in the world for it. And one of the reasons he says that is because Jesus is still working through you and me. Amen. We're going to pray at the end of this service. We're going to pray for people for healing and Jesus is going to heal them. So there's more stories about Jesus. So where are we? If we look at the table, we had part six um, today, the healing of the man born blind. And next week we're looking at the raising of Lazarus. That's where we are. It's all online, YouTube, SoundCloud. Uh, we send the audio as well, so there's many places you can get it. But this is just the seven miracles. And it's very... I often... John was prompted by the Holy Spirit. John wrote his gospel many years. They reckon maybe 30 years after Matthew, Mark, and Luke wrote their gospels. And he includes different things because they reckon that he, he was familiar with what Matthew, Mark, and Luke had written in their gospels. So it's quite a different story. Um, and why these seven miracles? Obviously prompted by the Holy Spirit. But there's, 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 it's more than just the healing. It's like, what is the impact? How did this impact people's lives? Let's look at it. So I'm going to zoom in firstly straight to the miracle. In John 9, verse 6 to 7, we straight into the miracle. It says, he being Jesus, spat on the ground and made mud with the saliva. Then he anointed the man's eyes with the mud and said to him, Go wash in the pool of Siloam, which means scent. John added that a little bit. So he went and washed and came back seeing. Kaboom! There's the miracle. But we're going to rewind, we're going to forward wind, and we're going to look at what was this about? Who was this guy? What was the impact of this one little miracle? Why did John choose this miracle? Out of hundreds of miracles that John witnessed Jesus doing, why this one? What does John want us to get from this particular miracle? Now firstly, I know that most of you are grossed out when there's this word spat in it, okay? Uh, and especially since we've all come through a pandemic and survived, um, I, you know, saliva, we're very aware, um, you know, we, we don't want to touch places that saliva has been, especially if it's another person's saliva. I was at the bank shortly after, uh, I mean, the first lockdown. And you know where you've got to do your fingerprint thing? 
And so before I do my fingerprint thing, I'm not thinking, well, who put their finger there last? So I asked the teller, I said, please, can I have some sanitizer? I just, before I do this. So she said she gave me and I cleaned it. And she just laughed. And she said, you know, before COVID happened, she said often when people came into the bank to do their fingerprint thing, to make sure their finger was nice and clean, they would give it a good lick and then, and then put it down there. And I was like, post-COVID, we don't do that anymore. No way, it's okay. So I know, I was just checking how grossed out you guys are by saliva stories. Okay, you are exactly where I thought you would be. I was also grossed out by that story. And since then, whenever I use that fingerprint thing, I just, can I have some sanitizer, please, just to make sure, okay. So this thing to us, this thing of spitting is like, whoa, Jesus, you're grossing me out now. So I want to just zoom in on this. There are a couple of things about him spitting. Firstly, folks, this guy, he was a beggar. And it was believed in those days that if you were in this condition, it was your fault. There was something that you did wrong. And people would despise beggars. And, and, and there was a belief that they were cursed by God. And so, you know, you kind of want to come in line with, you know, what you think God is doing. And so people literally would walk past a beggar and spit at them. So can you imagine what this beggar is thinking when He's hearing there's some spitting happening over here. He's blind. He can't see what Jesus is doing. He can't see where Jesus is spitting. He's had to dog, you know, duck a couple of spits in his life before, no doubt. And he's thinking, oh my goodness, the rabbi is, you know. But what does it do? What would it do to your soul if you were sitting every day of your life next to the side of the road, begging, and you don't know if you're going to get some money or somebody's going to send you a whatever. And so this, you, you know how significant it is? That the very thing that the community used to curse him, to despise him, to put him down, to break him down, is the very thing that Jesus uses to, to bring healing to him, to his body, to his eyes. Can you see how Jesus is turning around? How significant it was. Jesus knew that spitting has broken him down, has, has belittled him, has, and Jesus using the very thing society used to break him down to bring the healing. Can you see redemption in that? I'm like, this is my Jesus. You know, Jesus uses the thing the enemy meant to destroy you, to turn around to say, you are not a loser. I believe in you. You're going to make it. Amen. And so it's so beautiful when I realize, whoa, Jesus is turning a curse into the source of healing, the source of blessing. What has the enemy used in your life to try and break you down and smash you down and say you're, you're useless and you won't make it? That very thing God can turn around to bring healing into your soul. So that's the first thing I want to say about this, this healing. But the other thing is, folks, he spat into the ground. He took some, some dust and he made some mud. Some translations use the word clay. But folks, how did God create Adam? The Bible said he took the dust of the ground and he formed Adam and then the Bible says he breathed into his nostrils and life came into Adam. Folks, 
Can you imagine? I wonder if the disciples got it when they saw Jesus. And I wonder if Jesus thought when he was doing that, that, that mud thing, shaping, he thought, I remember doing this a couple of years ago with Adam. It was so fun, you know, to kind of shape him and everything. And he's thinking, we're doing the same thing. We, we, and why is he doing this? So this guy was born blind, folks. So born blind means that there was something that happened in his mother's womb when his eyes were formed that didn't happen properly. There was some creation stuff because that didn't happen properly. And Jesus saying, hang on, we've got to go back. When he was in his mother's womb, that creation thing didn't happen properly. Who knows what happened there? We're going to fix it. And so here is the creator, the one who shaped us from the dust of the earth. He's doing it again. And he puts this clay on this guy's eyes. And then the Bible says, uh, that he said to him, go wash in the pool of Siloam. Now the pool of Siloam was, uh, was about a kilometer away from where they were, just under, about 800 meters. Now, why am I saying that? Where is this happening? The beggars of the day waited outside the temple, and I'll get to you where. So from the, the temple to the pool, pool of Siloam was about 800 meters through Jerusalem, which was an up and down city with lots of steps, narrow little alleyways, etc. You are blind. You got mud on your eyes. Okay. And now everybody's, I mean, he's, he's blind, but I'm sure everybody's like looking, hey man, you're looking weird. Why you got mud on your eyes? Okay. But now he's got to find his way. I don't know. How long? How long would you take if you were blind to get through Jerusalem, cobbled streets, steps, everything, to the Pool of Salem? I don't know. But folks, I want you to think about what's happening inside of this man's soul as he's feeling down the streets and he's getting down steps and he gets to the Pool of Salem. And then, hoo, 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 he washes his eyes and he can see. Wow. And the Bible says that he came back seeing. In other words, he went there and he came back to the entrance of the temple, another 800 meters. Folks, I don't, I can picture him walking there like, you know, feeling. I can picture him running back. Guys, I can see, I can see Jesus. And so it's just a beautiful picture. So that's the miracle story. I wanted to just paint the miracle story. But now you're wondering, who is this guy? And what happened to him and, and etc. So, so, so I know you were asking those questions. So fortunately for you, we're going back a little bit. And we're going to put on the previous slide. So John chapter 9, the whole chapter is about this guy. Folks, a whole chapter in the Bible is devoted to one guy who, who was blind and now can see. And I love it. I love how John just drills down into this whole story. And folks... I love the emphasis on one guy. Folks, Jesus absolutely is for the whole world. But he's also for you. He's interested in your story. He, I mean that one chapter out of thousands of miracles that John saw. He took time to, to devote a whole chapter to one person's life. Folks, if this guy matters, it says, Lord, I matter. It means you matter. So in John chapter 9, you know what's amazing? I am going to rewind a little bit. John chapter 8 is a hectic story where him and, the, him and the Pharisees are at it, you know, where there's spiritual swords and there is, I mean, the, the Pharisees are accusing him and he's coming and he's speaking truth and I just, 
It's, 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 there's a lot of things that happen in John chapter 8. And it finishes with them being mad at him because it, uh, he says, Most assuredly, I say to you, before Abraham was, I am. And those are the words that God spoke to Moses at the burning bush. I am was one of the main words that these uh, Hebrew scholars used for God. I am. And there's Jesus saying, I am. They're like, what? And they're mad. Then they took up stones to throw at him. This is in the temple, folks. But Jesus hid himself and went out of the temple, going through the midst of them, and so passed by. So he's just nearly been stoned. Now, I, I, would, be, I would be so rattled. Okay, firstly, I, I'm not, I'm not done like a big, big conflict, and he's had major conflict with, it, with the Pharisees. Uh, he's just, he's literally, they want to stone him. He slips out of the temple. The narrative carries on. Remember, in the original writing, John didn't put chapter and verse. And then it says, Now as Jesus passed by, he saw a man who was blind from birth. So he's just had this major argument with these Pharisees. He's, he slips through the crowd. He gets out. And he's walking out the temple. Now all the beggars of the city used to sit at the entrance to the temple. As he's going out, he's just nearly been killed by a couple of guys with some rocks. As he's coming out, He's seeing a blind guy out of quite a lot. It's like, Jesus, this is amazing. How do you do that? I'd be so rattled. I'd be like, you know, lie down. I just nearly got stoned, love. Please just, you know, make me a cup of tea. I need to recover. Those Pharisees, they want to just... Jesus is like, here's a, here's a guy. I want to I I minister to him. He's so unfazed. He's so confident. He's so bold. I'm Jesus you're amazing. Lord, I want to submit my life to you. I want to follow you. You are so in control. These guys thought they were in control. They were going to kill you. No, 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 no. You laid your life down. I mean, number of times people try to kill him. He's not phased. He just carries on. And the first thing, he's like, you want to kill me? Okay, let's do a miracle. Let's bring life. I'm going to flow in the opposite spirit of what you want to do. I'm going to bring life. And then it says, Verse 1, so what I read is just the last two verses of the previous chapter, chapter 8. As he passed by, he saw a man blind from birth, and his disciples asked him, Rabbi, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? Now, again, Jesus has compassion on a man who's blind. He wants to heal him. The disciples want to have a theological argument. They are wanting to know the big why question. And folks, I've, I've said this before, you know, questions are important. But which questions you ask are even more important than, than asking questions. And you know, sometimes the why question is just not the best question to ask. A better question is, what do we do in response to where we are? Okay, what do we do? This guy's blind. Well, let's heal him and bring glory to God. Jesus does not get into a theological argument. He's just had a big fat argument with the Pharisees, etc. He's like... We don't need to argue about this. And folks, you know the why question? The question of, is it his parents or is it him? Now that was also, in those days, there was very much, it's very clear if you read in the Old Testament, that the consequences to not, to, to, to not following God. There are definitely consequences. I mean, just read, I'm reading Judges at the moment. I mean, it's just, you know... 
they just keep going off the track and their consequences and they get invaded by some foreign army and then God raises up another judge and whacks that oak and then they have peace for a couple of years and then they go off the rails. There are consequences to sin. There definitely is. But his disciples are, are operating in a spirit of judgment actually the same as the Pharisees. They're like, why is this dude like this? Was it his folks or was it him? You know, the question of was it him is actually quite a stupid question because how can you sin in the womb? I don't know how their theology works. Uh, but there was, I mean, uh, you, know, you haven't had much opportunity to sin yet. But the reality of, of your parents sinning is a reality, even today. You know, today a child could be born because of the actions of the mother while she's pregnant. There are certain sexually transmitted diseases that if the mother has and she carries a child, it can have consequences on the child. Blindness is one of the consequences. If the mother has a, has a venereal disease, the child could be blind. So it could be consequences, okay? And, and, and I mean, you know how that stuff works, okay? I don't need to go into that. So it, it could have been, but Jesus says, it's not any of that. It was not that this man sinned or his parents but that the works of God might be displayed in him. We must work the works of him who sent me while it is day. Night is coming when no one can work. As long as I'm in the world, I am the light of the world. So Jesus is saying, yeah, I'm the light of the world in the context of a man who's blind, whose life has been dark his whole life. Jesus is saying, I am the light of the world. And folks, I do want to emphasize, this is a physical healing, absolutely. But you know, Jesus actually emphasizes spiritual sight. And we're going to, we're going to go to the end of the chapter, okay? We're going to do it uh, today, don't worry. We're going to do it today. And Jesus emphasizes, you'll see what happens to this man at the end. His spiritual eyes open. He sees Jesus. Jesus is the light of the world. Jesus says, I'm the light. Folks, spiritual light is what we're actually talking about here. The physical, this physical miracle, John is writing to say, this is just a, an example of what's meant to happen with our spirits. You are meant, your spirit man is meant to be alive to God. You're meant to see with your spirit. See God. See the plans of God. See the purpose of God. See the beauty of God. Your spirit man is meant to be alive. You're meant to see Jesus with your spirit man. Amen. Jesus, what Jesus is saying. And his emphasis here is, you guys want to have a debate? You guys want to have an argument? He says, let's just do it, get on with the works of God. I mean, I'm actually thinking about this now. I mean, my son and I, um, we, oh, by the way, we've, we've entered the doozy. It's happening this week. So, so we've entered, so we're going to do this thing. It was, there was quite a debate of whether we should. But I was just so struck by, for example, we've been doing quite a lot of racing down rivers with lots of rocks. And our boat has got quite messed up at times. And so when your canoe gets messed up, you can take it somewhere to get fixed and pay a lot of other people a lot of money to do it, or you can fix it yourself. And so John and I have had to a number of times in the last few months fix our canoe with fiberglass and everything. And it's not difficult, but I'm just so amazed at how different John and I are. You know, I'm much more... You know, like when I cut my fiberglass, I cut it carefully, I measure, mark it out. Jonna just kind of sticks the fiberglass, puts on the resin. It's like, you know, I leave him five minutes later, it's fixed. Like, I'd still be measuring, I'd still be cutting out the fiberglass, making sure it's the right size, that corner's a bit low. You know, he just goes for it. Folks, you know, I look at this, Jesus is just like, it doesn't matter who, why, 
how come he's like this? There was some deformity in his mother's womb. Doesn't matter. We're going to fix it. Let's do the works of God. And there's a sense of urgency in what Jesus says. He says, we must work the works of him who sent me while it is day. Night is coming when no one can work. After Jesus died, there was that time, remember, before, before the Holy Spirit was poured out. There were no miracles. Jesus knew. This was actually about six months before he was crucified. He knew, I have limited time on this earth to demonstrate signs and wonders, to teach these people, to call out greatness, to show the love of God to people, um, to bring forth faith, to unlock belief in people's hearts. There's a limited time. There's a sense of urgency in Jesus. And, and he wants to do the works of God. He's kind of like my son. He's like, let's get this canoe fixed, Dad. Five minutes later, it's fixed, you know. And I want to say, folks, there are some things in our lives, you know, I find it so interesting. Um, that the, the, If you take the word gospel, and the first two letters of gospel is go. Have you thought of the first three letters of, of Satan? It's sat. <laughs> There's a sense of going in here. You know, when, 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 when um, John wrote this, he mentioned the Pool of Siloam. The place of it's sent. It means sent. It's like there's an urgency in Jesus. And folks, listen, I'm not saying run around like a headless chicken without the peace of God, etc. But there are some times in your life that you know there's an urgency for me to get things done. If you're a student, if you've got registered at this university or any other university, there should be an urgency in you to get your studies done. In the time allocated to get your studies done without any cheating. Okay, heard from one of the students yesterday that the, the university wants to move things in person because the cheating has been off the charts. You just give your student number to anybody who has done the course before. You pay them some, you know, Imali, and then they can write your test for you. Folks, that's not how we do it around you. Amen? We are here to study, to be equipped, so that we can do our career one day. So there's a sense of urgency. There are some things in our lives, folks, that this season is not going to last forever. This Things are going to change. You're not going to be at university forever. You're not going to have your children forever. Your children are going to grow up. There's a time to be a parent to those children. Make the most of the season you are in. Okay. I just want to put this in my notes. It is in conquering and abolishing evil that Jesus is made known. The question for us is not where suffering has come from, but what are we to do with it? Okay? When somebody comes to us for prayer, for healing, we don't say, you know, why are you sick? You know, what did you do? I mean, you know, it's like we are going to try and pray for you that you may have healing. And yes, if there is something, we will deal with it. But we're not looking for, you know, what did you do wrong? Who did you clobber? You know what? No, 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 no. John, 1 John 3 verse 8. The reason the Son of God appeared was to destroy the devil's work. Jesus sees this guy. He's like, yo, we don't know. Let's just get him healed. Okay? There are a thousand reasons why he could have been. It doesn't matter. The why doesn't matter. What's the what? Let's get him healed. Okay? And the Strong's Dictionary, that word for destroy over there means to loosen, break, break up, dissolve, melt, or to put off. Whatever the devil has done, that is what God wants to do. That's what Jesus came to do. Okay. We're going um, to verse 6. John 9, verse 6 to 7. Having said these things, he spat on the ground, made mud with saliva. Then he anointed the man's eyes with mud and said to him, Go, wash in the pool of Siloam, which means sent. So he went and washed and came back seeing. Okay, that's the miracle. Now, the rest of the, I told you, the rest of this book is all about this man and the torrid time he had, firstly with his neighbors, 
Then were the Pharisees. Then the Pharisees pulled his parents in. Then they had another go at him. And then Jesus went and looked for him. And he came to faith in Jesus. Let's look at it. I've got a summary on the next slide. As part of a larger story in chapter 9, the healing of the blind man is the first seven verses, followed by interactions between the man and his neighbors, to verse 12, then between the man and the Pharisees, to verse 17, then between his parents and the Pharisees, they pulled them in, to verse 23, and then again between the man and the Pharisees, ending with his expulsion from the synagogue. I just want to pause there. Expulsion from the synagogue. Guys, it wasn't just, you can't come to synagogue anymore. In the Jewish community, you expelled, ex, expelled, excommunicated, put out of the synagogue, it meant you were cut out of the community. You were not allowed to do business with anybody. Nobody would talk to you. Nobody would interact with you. It was rejection to the nth degree. You were literally cut out of that whole community. So it's quite major what these guys, and they did it. They chucked him out. That's what the Bible says. After which Jesus finds him and brings him to faith. I want to submit to you, what is the greatest miracle here? The fact that he got his sight or that his spiritual eyes were opened. He saw what Jesus, who Jesus was and he put his faith in Jesus. I want to submit to you, John finishes this chapter with the greatest miracle. Jesus brought him to faith. And folks, I want to submit to you, I love miracles. But you know what? If we're just doing miracles to show people how anointed we are, my man, these hands, you ain't seen nothing yet. What about his hands? They've got scars in them. Put your faith in Jesus. I don't care if you don't know my name. I don't care if you don't know who prayed for you. It's Jesus who healed you. Put your faith in Jesus. It was faith that caused you to get your healing. Surrender to Jesus and trust Jesus. That's the point of the story. Amen? And I might, that's why I said... The, the, the point of this series, miracles, making him known. I'm tired of doing miracles where people are like, well, thank you very much, you know, uh, but they don't know Jesus. I want people to know Jesus. Amen? So let's carry on. We're going to read. I'm going to pull out some points. We're going to do this, guys. Verse 8. This caused quite a stir among the people of the neighborhood, for they noticed the blind beggar. How did the neighborhood seem? He was a beggar. Folks, what is... What do you think, if you're a beggar, what do you think your sense of worth is? Your sense of value? How, how much... I mean, especially in those days when you're begging at the temple courts and people are spitting at you. Can you imagine how low this guy must have felt? Now, we're starting with a beggar. I want you to look at how this guy takes on the Pharisees. I'm like... How do you do it, my man? You've been trampled. You've been spat on so many times by Pharisees. And he's just straight up truthful. And he tells them what for and where for and where to jump out of the boat. I mean, he is amazing. I love this story. And I want you to see why am I reading this story. Folks, he has an encounter with Jesus. Jesus heals his eye. And this man is confident and bold. And he is telling the most influential leaders in his society exactly where to get off. Not in a rude, arrogant way, but he's speaking the truth. He's, he will not lie. They're trying to get him to lie. He will not lie about Jesus. He speaks the truth and he comes to faith in Jesus. It's just so beautiful. Okay, for they noticed the blind beggar was now seeing. Now just look at this. They noticed he was seeing. 
They began to say to one another, isn't this the blind man who once sat and, and begged? Some said, no, it can't be him. Others said, but it looks just like him. It has to be him. Folks, do you see he was invisible to his community? To his, these are his neighbors. People, he's they're like, is it him? They can't see him. It's like, what a sick community he lived in. He was unknown in his own community. All the while, the man kept insisting, I'm the man who was blind. They don't want to believe him. Finally, they asked him, what has happened to you? I mean, he's telling them, I've been healed. I am the guy. They have not been talking to him up to, up to this point. They're talking amongst each other. Do you think that's the guy? It looks like him. He walks like him, but it can't be him. Because he was blind. I mean, guys, finally, verse 11, he replied, I met the man named Jesus. Hallelujah. Folks, things change when you meet the man named Jesus. Have you met Jesus? Folks, what happened in this guy? He encountered Jesus. Bill Johnson says, we owe the world an encounter with Jesus. If people meet Jesus, they are changed. I want to look at, look at how this guy has changed. I met the man named Jesus. He rubbed clay on my eyes and said, go to the pool named Salome and wash. I went, and while I was washing the clay from my eyes, I began to see for the very first time ever. Guys, he tells it exactly as it is. He doesn't exaggerate. He doesn't. He just says, this is how it is. Verse 12. So the people of the neighborhood inquired, where is this man? They're wanting to know Jesus. I have no idea, the man replied. So the people marched him over to the Pharisees to speak with them. They were, now again, marched over. They're grabbing. They're not nice to him. I mean, they were concerned because the miracle Jesus performed by making clay with his saliva and anointing the man's eyes happened on a Sabbath day, a day that no one was allowed to work. So the issue, again, they don't. Here's a miracle. He's seeing. He hasn't seen since birth. Guys, celebrate. It's a miracle. God is with you. God is in your midst. No, 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 no. You broke the law. You broke the law. You were working. And do you know what law they were upset about? Because Jesus took some clay and mixed it. Now, how much clay do you need to mix with saliva to, to put it on somebody's eyes? You know, it's like a teaspoonful. I don't know. How much work? And their problem was that you were not allowed to mix dough, bread dough, on a Sabbath day. And they reckon that Jesus, that mixing act, was like he's mixing bread dough. He's working. How much effort does it take to mix a teaspoon of and heal somebody through it? It's like, come on, guys. Okay. They were concerned because the miracle performed by making clay with saliva and anointing the man's eyes happened on a Sabbath day, a day no one was allowed to work. Then the Pharisees asked the man, How did you have your sight restored, brother? He replied, A man anointed my eyes with clay, then I washed, and now I can see for the first time in my life. He's telling it exactly as it happened, for the third time. Then an argument broke out amongst the Pharisees. I put dot, dot there. I don't like these. Pharisees love arguing. I didn't put the argument. You can go read it. Verse 17. I, my, my focus is I want to look at this man. And just how an encounter with Jesus, a supernatural encounter with Jesus, transforms him. It's like, how can somebody who's so despised, who's so put down, who's so broken down, how can he just change like this? He had an encounter with Jesus. This prompted them to turn on the man. Turn on the man, folks. The Pharisees, the, the, this is like your most significant leaders and so They're turning on him. Healed of blindness, putting him on the spot in front of them, all demanding an answer. Can you see the confrontation? Can you see the aggroness? Can you just see the horribleness? 
They asked, who do you say he is? This man who opened your blind eyes. The prophet of God. I love it. He just like calls a spade a spade. Now why prophet of God? Back in the day you had the Pharisees, etc. But they knew the stories of the prophets, of Isaiah and Jeremiah. And because they'd already killed them, the Pharisees already killed them. Now they thought they were amazing and they were telling stories about them. But the, the, the highest, the most significant spiritual leader in their society would have been a prophet. So he's like, this guy is super amazing. You know, I don't know. Maybe if you're Roman Catholic, you would have said he's the Pope or something. I don't know what the equivalent would be. He's a prophet of God. The man replied, verse 18, still refusing to believe that the man had been healed and was truly blind from birth, the Jewish leaders called for the man's parents to be brought to them. Folks, do you see the depth of unbelief? They're now calling the, they don't believe him that he's been healed. The neighbors came, told the story. They don't, it's, let's call the folks. So they asked his parents, is this your son? Yes, they answered. Was he really born blind? Yes, he was, they replied. Pressed his parents. Again, pressed is it's aggro. It's in your face. It's an interrogation to answer. Then how is it that he's now seeing? We have no idea, they answered. We don't know what happened to our son. Ask him. He's a mature adult. He can speak for himself. He's an adult. He's mature. He can speak for himself. And you know he does. I wonder, you know, I, I reflect, you know, as parents, the natural instinct of a parent is to be protective of the of the kids you see it in the animal kingdom wherever you go parents protect their children these parents are not protecting their son they say he can speak for himself i'm amazed at this the level of intimidation under the natural instinct in any mama or papa bear and there are quite a few of them sitting here that says i will protect my children you mess with my children you mess with me i'll take you out my man okay very fast and continually there's something so intimidating about these pharisees that even his parents said backed off and said no 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 speak to him but this man doesn't. He's encountered Jesus. He's bold. He says, I'm going to tell you the truth. I don't care what you, I don't care if you chuck me out of the synagogue. I was blind and now I see Jesus healed me. I encountered a miracle. Do you see what miracles happen in, what happens to people who encounter miracles? Do we want miracles? Absolutely. Because we want Jesus to be known. Because we want people's lives changed. Amen. Verse 22, now the parents were obviously intimidated by the Jewish religious leaders for they had already announced to the people that if anyone publicly confessed Jesus the Messiah, they would be excommunicated. That's cut out of the synagogue. So there's just John giving us that commentary. That's why they told them, ask him. He's a mature adult. He can speak for himself. That's John giving commentary on what's happening. Verse 24, so once again they summoned the man who was healed of blindness and said to him, swear to God to tell us the truth. You know, the irony is he's telling the truth the whole way. And they are, they are thinking he's lying. They don't believe him. That's why they're saying this. They think, you're lying. We know the man who healed you is a sinful man. Do you agree? They're trying to make him lie. They're hypocrites. The healed man replied, I have no idea what kind of man he is. All I know is that I was blind and now I can see for the first time in my life. Wow, I love this guy's boldness. I was blind and now I can see. Folks, that, what is he doing? He's witnessing. Yeah. The Bible says the Holy Spirit will come upon you and you will be my witnesses. Witness, just tell the truth of what they've seen. You can put a gun to my head. I will testify that Jesus healed me. You can blow my brains out. I will testify that Jesus healed me. I cannot change it. This is the truth. 
Do we have people here who have encountered Jesus and I now tell the truth? I will not lie. I will not lie on my exam. I will not let anybody else put in my student number and write a test for me because I am a Christian. I have encountered Jesus. I do the truth. I tell the truth. I live the truth. Amen. All I know is that I was blind and now I can see for the first time in my life. Exclamation mark. He's getting loud with these guys. He's getting irritated with these Pharisees. He's saying, listen, this is what's happened. Verse 26. But what did he do to you, they asked. How did he heal you? He's told them like three times. The man responded, I told you once and you didn't listen to me. Oh my goodness. Where's this boldness coming from? He's encountered Jesus. I'm like... Are you feeling like, you know, if there was like a fight in a, in a boxing ring or something and you're sitting on the, you're cheering for him. It's like, go my man, tell him, tell him where to get off, tell him the truth. I told you once and you didn't listen to me. Why do you make me repeat it? Are you wanting to be his followers too? Oh my goodness. He is calling them out so Powerfully. Are you wanting to be his followers too? I mean, these guys got so mad at this. This angered the Jewish leaders. They heaped insults on him. Folks, what does it mean heap? There were three words. Folks, they pulled out some four-letter words there that we are glad are not in the Bible. Okay? These guys, religious leaders, were hammering him with their words. We can tell you we can tell you are one of his followers. Now we know it. We are true followers of Moses. For we know that God spoke to Moses directly. But as for this one, we don't know where he's coming from. Verse 30. Well, what a surprise this is. He's still tuning them. What a surprise this is, he says to the man said. You don't even know where he comes from. But he healed my eyes and now I can see. We know that God doesn't listen to sinners, but only to godly people who do his will. He's basically saying, this is Jesus. Folks, can you see the transformation in this guy's life? The boldness, the kind. He's just telling the truth and he's telling them exactly what's going on here. Verse 32. Yet, who has ever heard of a man born blind that was healed and given back his eyesight? Verse 33. I tell you, if this man isn't from God, he wouldn't be able to heal me like he has. If this man is not from God, he wouldn't be able to heal me like he has. Folks, this guy is telling these guys things that are so obvious. They are so steeped in the unbelief. Have you sometimes come across people like that? But yet, folks, let me tell you, you can come across a serious unbeliever. You pray for them and they experience healing. And suddenly, all their arguments mean nothing. And suddenly, they are witnessing and they are testifying, I had pain and my pain is gone. My leg was whatever and now it is not. This is so amazing. Um... Verse 32, yet who has ever heard of a man born blind that was healed and given back his eyesight? In other words, these stories they'd never heard come across in their community. I tell you, the man says, I mean, can you imagine? <laughs> I picture him picking up his finger, I tell you. <laughs> if this man isn't from God, he wouldn't be able to heal me like he has. Verse 34, some of the Jewish leaders were enraged and said, Just who do you think you are 
to lecture us. You were born a blind, filthy sinner. So they threw the man out in the street. Many other translations don't mention through it. That's the excommunication cut out of the community. When Jesus learned that they had thrown him out, he went to find him and said to him, Do you believe in the Son of God? Uh, firstly, folks, I underlined there, Jesus went out to find him. Jesus went out to find him. Jesus went looking for one guy. With thousands of people he'd healed up to that point. He'd been in ministry for two and a half years. One guy, he heard what a rough time he'd, he'd had with these Pharisees. And he went to go look for him. Folks, Jesus, you can't hide from Jesus. He'll come looking for you. You've been through a tough time. You've been through a hard time. Don't run from Jesus. You feel like people have been swearing at you and telling you what for, where to, whatever. Folks, Jesus is looking for him in a very difficult time. He's just been through the mill. He went to find him and said to him, Do you believe in the Son of God? Folks, this is the crux of the most important transformation. The greatest miracle is faith being birthed in people, wholeheartedly being yielded to God. And this is the beautiful result of the miracle. This is my prayer that every miracle, not just one, but many people would come to faith in Jesus. Man, do you believe in the Son of God? Verse 36. The man whose blind eyes were healed answered, Who is he? Master. Folks, this is very significant. Master is a big word. It means Lord already. You can see there's been a shift in his heart. But remember, he hadn't seen Jesus. He was blind before as well. Tell me so that I can place all my faith in him. Folks, look how ready... This guy is to get born again, to give his heart to Jesus, to put his faith in Jesus. Look how ready he is. Why? He's experienced the power of God. He's experienced a miracle. He's like, I want to put my heart in Jesus, even though he'd just been hammered by the Pharisees. Verse 37, Jesus replied, you're looking right at him. He's speaking with you. It's me. The one in front of you now. Wow. You know, Jesus gave the greatest revelation of who he was to people who had no religious background. We could easily, I don't want to put this label sin on him. He was a beggar. Folks, to a beggar, the lowest of low of society. If Jesus had to choose, like, you're a spiritual guru and you want to be famous. Who are you going to make your name? Are you going to go to King Herod? Jesus goes to a beggar who'd spent his life at the temple courts begging. And he gives this incredible revelation. You're looking right at him. He's speaking with you. It's me, the one in front of you now. Folks, you don't have to be famous to be famous with Jesus. To know Jesus. To see Jesus. Folks, right here... His spiritual eyes are opening. Verse 38. Then the man threw himself at his feet and worshipped Jesus and said, Lord, 
I believe in you. Folks, that is the born again moment. There, he's been spiritually translated from the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of light. His spirit has been recreated. Light has burst forth inside of him. His spiritual eyes are open. He's seeing Jesus. That is the greatest miracle. Amen? But it came because of a physical healing that this man experienced. Verse 39, And Jesus said, I have come to judge those who think they see and make them blind. Talking about the Pharisees. Chapter 8, he's just been wrestling with them. And for those who are blind, I have come to make them see. Folks, you know, Jesus said in the Beatitudes, in the Beatitudes, he said, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for they shall see the kingdom of God. Blessed are the poor. Folks, Walking around thinking that I'm a spiritual hot rod. You know, I see in the third heaven, the fourth heaven. I see angels and demons. I'm a spiritual (laughs) hot rod. Folks, you could just be a spiritual blind person if your spiritual arrogance thinks you've arrived. There's something about staying humble and saying, God... Without you, I can't see. You are the light of the world. Without you, yeah, I can't see. I won't make it. I won't figure it out. I will smash up. I will mess it up. I'll... But with you, Jesus, I see. Jesus, you make me see. I put my faith in you, Jesus, that I may see the path ahead of me. I may see the path for my family, for my business, for my studies, in my friendships. Jesus, I want to see. I want to see your way. I want to walk your way. I want to follow you, Jesus. Let me see. Spiritual sight, folks. Being born again. Your spirit being alive to God. Your spirit sensing God. Your spirit being awake to God comes by exactly what happened to this man. He threw himself at his feet and worshipped Jesus and said, Lord, I believe in you. And folks, this isn't something we do once, you know, in Sunday school. I prayed a prayer like this. I remember Rachel prayed this prayer with me. Folks, you know, I try and do it often. Often in my day, I say, Lord, I just, I come under you. I submit to you, Jesus. You're my Lord. You're my light. You're my leader. You're my shepherd. Lead me, Lord. This is how we live. We hope you've enjoyed this message. For more information, please visit our website at www.hispeoplepmb.co.za and for more of our messages, visit our YouTube and SoundCloud channels as well as other podcast platforms. If you would like to contact us, please email us at hispeoplepmb at gmail.com or send a message to 61 To join us for in-person services, visit us at 154 Burkett Road, Scottsville, Peter Maritzburg. We hope to see you soon. God bless you.